We are back. Season six. Welcome to the trail life. I'm your host, Jeff Stoner. It is great to be back. Time off. Well needed. We are back with some really great interviews to start the season off with, and I couldn't be more excited to start off the season with this guest. Game changing. That's all I got to say. You want to talk about inclusion into the sport of trail running? Well, Zach Friedley is doing it and he's doing it well. He's an adaptive athlete. He's a race director. He's a professional trail runner with the On Running uh, Trail Team, and he is bringing the heat as far as how adaptive athletes are being included in the sport of trail running. And uh, this conversation was just amazing. It's something that I am uh, very interested in, and uh, I couldn't ask for such a better conversation to start off season six of the Trail Life podcast. I hope you guys enjoy. Thanks for listening, and welcome to the Trail Life. Zach Free. Well, help me turn the turning. Well, help me get it right. I don't want to hurt nobody. Well, I don't want to fight. Well, offer me the peace of mind and let me. I was talking to my wife about this interview coming up last night, I realized it's probably one of the, like the, the one of the interviews I've been looking most forward to Cool, because, it, because it's such an, an interesting conversation to me. Um, as I, it's kind of spoken to you, uh, just through email, I've done a lot of work with the challenge athletes foundation over the past and be a part of their triathlon and working with some of their you know, athletes just through other sports that I've, I've dealt with. Like it's, it's very inspiring. And I, cool, man. I watched that link. Is it ghost leaves that, that did the, uh, the What's video? That? Yeah. Yeah. I watched that and I'm, I'll, I'll put that link in, in the interview cool. or in the show notes, because I think a lot of people would get a lot out of that, out of that video alone. So I'm, again, oh, I'm, I am, I am stoked to, to talk to you about this and, and how inclusion of adaptive athletes it needs to kind of happen in, in trail running. So I, I kind of want to just get right into it, kind of your, your history, your past and, and how you got into, into the sport, everything. Cause I think that's kind of sets the, the base layer of what you're currently doing now, as far as your mission and everything else. So be good, man. Like, cause you, you grew up in your Mendocino, right? Are you born and raised Mendocino area? No, I was born and raised in Kansas city, Missouri, um, okay. in a small town. Um, outside of Car- it's called Kearney, Missouri. So it's like 45 minutes away from Kansas city. When did you make your, uh, trek out to California? Cause is this, cause Mendocino is where you live at currently, right? Yep. So I left my hometown and when I turned 30, ended up in Philly for a year. I was, a uh, a, a, um, nanny to two girls for a school year, which was interesting. <laughs> um, they were seventh grade and freshmen. Their mom had just passed away and their dad was like a traveling executive for a really big company. So he wasn't home much. So I took care of the girls every day, like a parent, you know, went to parent teacher conferences, uh, they're grieving their mother had just died. Um, so it was a really important time period in their life and my life. So it was a pretty cool experience. Um, that was like when my like quote unquote vision quest started. Um, so that was like the first stop. And then I made my way to California and actually lived in Humboldt County 
okay. first couple of months and uh, I worked on a cannabis farm up in the mountains. Um, wow. How am I not surprised? Humboldt County. I mean, <laughs> yeah. So, um, and I was like super Midwest guy. Uh, so it was really kind of weird for me at first to be up there and doing this job, but it, it really started my connection to like my surroundings, like the earth, being able to move my body through landscapes that are remote. You know, I never really done anything like that before. So I'd almost like to say like my trail running started there, but it wasn't for trail running. It was just to survive. And I ended up doing really well and um, got comfortable in the outdoors. Yeah. And it wasn't until about two years later, or actually might've been about four or five years later is when I found trail running um, in 2019. I went to Lewis Escobar's Born to Run. Mm-hmm. And my goal honestly was to go there and to give coffee to a bunch of runners and talk about the nonprofit that I just started, but somehow ended up racing in the 10 mile trail run, having never ran on a trail and never running further than three miles in my life. And when I crossed the finish line, all sorts of emotions happened to me. And honestly, in an instant, I looked at the world completely different. Um, things, I mean, I remember like the next day, like when I got cell phone service again, looking up trail races and trails and like, just like turned to, it's like turning the kid loose into like a candy store and being like, now, now what, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I, so let's back it up just a little bit. So people have an understanding of, of your past even further. Um, so you were, you're an adaptive athlete yourself. Born without a right leg above the knee. So I don't have okay. a knee joint or an ankle joint or a foot. Okay. So what was kind of like your background as far as growing up in, in sports? Did you, were you able to, cause I mean, I, I'm from the Midwest as well. Right. So, and I'm, I'm 47 and I, so we kind of grew up in the Midwest in that around that same time period where there's not a lot of options right. For, for sports and athletes, right. You've, you've pretty much got some, your basic big four sports or whatever it is. So what was your, what ended up being your sports background as you're, as you're growing up? Wrestling and powerlifting. I started wrestling about eight and wrestled all the way through high school. Um, you know, I played baseball. I got cut from my freshman. Ba- I actually really liked playing baseball. I didn't think I was like terrible, like on a scale from like one to 10, I might've been like a, like a three or four, um, but showing improvement, but I got cut from my freshman baseball team. And that was like a sport that supposedly or a freshman team, everybody makes the team, but I didn't make it, um, you know, and that was kind of a bummer. Um, I enjoyed it, but wrestling was like my one sport that was like my identity and I wasn't great at it, you know? Um, but I showed up at practices all the time and uh, I got my ass whipped all the time. And uh, also I uh, actually lifted weights and was super duper strong for how much I weighed. I ended up winning like the national bench press competition for my weight class. Oh. Like, I weighed like 138 and benched like 390 or something crazy. <laughs> um, so that was what I was drawn to, like stuff that was like, you had to be tough to do these things. Yeah. And so I had to build a lot of mental toughness. You know, I wasn't whooping people's asses all the time. I was actually getting my ass handed to me all the time. So I learned how to take, take a beating, honestly, and somehow convince myself to keep showing back up. Um, but yeah, there was no like pair of sports, you know, there was no like disabled icons. You just had to pave your own way. Yeah. yeah. What's the, what was, um, 
your situation with prosthetics as you're growing up? Super basic. I went to the Shriners hospital and just got like what they had like wooden legs. So it wasn't, wasn't like a sports leg. It was just a leg that could take jumping from trees and riding four wheelers and, you know, being in the mud, having to power wash them off after a weekend of the stuff. They didn't have anything crazy. I mean, they, they may have had it available then, but it, I didn't know about it. My parents didn't know about it. Yeah. You know, this is the time of no internet really. So what you knew is what you knew. Getting into the running aspect kind of fall into, into play because I mean, with, I mean, as you just, as you were kind of just stating that, that there's the prosthetic options were not, not, you know, accessible to you. So how did you get into a sport like running and, you know, from the prosthetic aspect of it? So, I mean, I always quote unquote ran, you know, like in sports, like, you know, conditioning and like I played football, you know, but I would never, ever, ever, ever say I was a runner. I just did whatever I could to like survive in those sports, but it, running kind of found me 2007. I think I was 21, 22 years old, actually. So I was born in 84. Uh, so however old I was in, uh, in 2007, was that like 24 is when I got a blade. Uh, I actually like aged out of the Shriners hospital system, um, went to a prosthetics place, had a terrible experience, wrote an email to them to like their corporate headquarters and just said like, what the hell? I went from being able to play a flag football with my friends to not doing that. And then they invited me down to their headquarters. They fitted me with a different kind of prosthetic, made some like really awesome changes and then said, Hey, while you're down here, have you ever tried a blade on? And they gave me a blade. And that was the first time I ever had a blade. Um, and I remember running up and down the hallway uh, on a, on a Sunday in this place. And then the guy connected me with like the Paralympic coach and it was December of 2007. So it was six months before Beijing. And I remember I was like super late to try to make that team, but I tried anyways, uh-huh. to make it, but continued training until London. But, and actually knowing what I know now, I was not training very well at all. So it's not surprising that I didn't make it. But that was like my, I was like my first introduction into like having a blade and running and trying to prove something with it, you know, trying to run fast, hundred meters, 200 meters, long jump. And I wasn't great at that either. You know, I was, had a lot of piss and vinegar in me then. and was like really, really trying hard to like prove something and yeah, kind of like fuck the world, uh, excuse my language, but that was like my attitude, man. And yeah. it got me injured a lot. Uh, it was not fun. I was not enjoying myself. This is yeah. that way. What, I mean, yeah, so you said six months to, to try and train for the Beijing and then you trained for London too. What did you take away from the, from training for Beijing that kind of helped you out for, for like your training in London, obviously longer, longer training periods, obviously is, yeah. is probably the start of that, but I learned a lot. I mean, I didn't have a coach. So that's kind of crazy. I don't, didn't have a running background. I didn't have any knowledge of running really. And I think I was just so like, I didn't respect how hard it was to be like a Paralympian or the kind of training that went into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just thought I could do it on my own. And I spent way too much time in the gym rather than on the track. You know, like I spend more time on a track now running trails than I ever did when I ran track, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, you know, so I, I just wasn't training, right. I didn't have proper knowledge of what I was doing. I, I was really training for power and thought that I could maybe just show up on the days 
that I competed and just smoke everybody, which was super delusional. Yeah. Um, you know, and it never happened that way. And, and I gave it up At around 2013, 14. I remember being like, well, I'm never going to run again. Took my blades and tossed them in the closet. Um, and, and never, never really pulled them out again until Humboldt County when I had to like prove myself on this mountain that I was like worthy to work there. I remember I took like a shoe, like, like this, stuck the blade inside of it and like zip tied it to the blade and like duct taped it around the blade and basically used it to maneuver around the the farm. And I was like really good at it. Like going from like where the water tanks were like a thousand to 1200 feet above the property, I would like smoke it all the way up to the top, check the water flow, run all the way back down, go all the way back top, um, faster than a lot of people. And that was like the first edition of like my, my trail blade, um, without really knowing what trail running. I mean, at that time I had no idea people even ran trails. Right. Um, it wasn't until years later where the dots started to be connected and, you know, my like athletic background of always training and always showing up and doing these things started to connect with a lot of other things that I didn't know, you know, like the outside nature, um, my like inner power and um i just kind of like mellowed out but ended up becoming now like the greatest athlete i've ever been in my life at 38 yeah i want to come back to the the born to run and you getting into trail running there and how that has created the born to adapt situation but i think it's quite interesting you you're you're an ultra marathoner you've done a, a few ultra distances and I saw that you actually signed up for the UTMB or had, or was part of the UTMB last, is it last year, 2022? Yeah. Yeah. And this year, and this year, how did, how did that end up going for you? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, it was, uh, cause it was, it's not like you were there to to win. I mean, I, I read that it was pretty much, you were like, Hey, I will just finish this thing. Let's let's see what what we we can do. Right. And like, how did did everything turn out? Yeah, it's so it's interesting to see how this all evolved. So last year I went there just to participate to finish. I ended up not finishing. I got cut off at the first um, cutoff spot. It was like 10K in, um, was the first checkpoint. You had to do it in, in two hours flat. And it had like 3,600 feet of climbing in that first section, oh, God. Um, which was which was brutal. Um, so the tread that I had at the time was just a generic Nike tread. Um, I hadn't had enough time uh to because i am actually on the on pro trail team mm-hmm. and i just signed that deal in may of last year so i'd only been with the company for a couple months so we didn't have what i have now which is the prototype tread that's changed everything for me so back in august of 22 i was trying to go up this these slopes it had like rained a bunch before the race so the track was like super slippery and ended up getting cut off from the event and it wouldn't let me continue even though it was like noon on a on a Monday, they were like, you're done. Your race is over. You know, later after the event, I found that they let other athletes didn't make the cutoff continue. So there was some, what? yeah, it, oh, it was damn. kind of funky, but since then I've made some progress with UTMB, um, on has really helped me out. My sponsor buff has helped me out and we're making progress on including adaptive athletes at the elite level. Um, and it, seems like this year they're going to recognize some accomplishments in some of these athletes. Um, I have, I actually have the course record uh, at UTMB Terrawera for the 21 K um, I'm doing UTMB Valderan in Spain here in July 8th. It's a sky race. And then I'm doing UTMB MCC again. And this time I'm coming for the jugular. I'm not coming to be a participant. 
I'm coming to hold the championship belt at the end of the, at the uh, finish line. I just feel a lot like it reignited the competitiveness in me after, after, after last year, like I gave myself permission, come back and like really like kick the doors open. Um, I have a new coach this year. I'm working with Eric Orton from the book born to run. He's changed my running game tremendously. I'm actually in Chicago right now, getting a new prosthetic made. Uh, This is week three of that process here after this podcast, I'm going to take yeah. out my socket for test run number three and hopefully uh, lock in these adjustments and go home and get ready for what's to come for the summer. Kind of curious, like what's the testing process and what, what goes into looking at um, like a running prosthetic? Like it, obviously it's, is like how, how, how much of different blades kind of factor in yeah. versus, cause you, I mean, the joints, uh, the joint aspect also has to play a huge factor as well. I mean, yeah. what's, so I'll give you some insight. So I've been here since week three. I've been here every day in uh, David Rodder's office, basically from eight 30 in the morning till seven o'clock at night. Um, we've gone back and forth 50 times on different tiny adjustments. So the biggest piece of this puzzle is the socket. And the socket is the piece that goes over the limb. So I'm missing my leg above the knee. So my socket goes up to my hip. So we have to make sure that that thing is secured onto my limb, but also not too secured on certain spots. So it doesn't hit bones. You know, it doesn't grind in a certain way mixed with the knee that attaches to the blade that attaches the adjustments of the knee adjustments of the blade. How's the blade touching the ground? There's like so many different things and we're always tweaking it. And for me, I can maybe go out and run for an hour and it feels great, but then how's it going to feel on hour nine or hour 10, you know? So you got to like really go out and put it to the test. And and I'm in Chicago. So it's really hard to go and climb a thousand foot. Yeah. There's not not too many mountains in Chicago. That's for sure. So you gotta, I gotta do a lot of like thinking and like visualizing what's it going to feel like, you know, 20 miles in after 6,000 feet of climbing, mixed with heat, mixed with all sorts of different elements. So it's yeah. really tricky um, to do because one little thing that could not feel right could could blow up and be like this massive like thing that, you know, manifests at mile 17 or something. So it's a really tricky process, but I have one of the greatest teams in the prosthetics business making this, you know, they all, it's a team of like five people that work here, maybe six from the person Anya who works in the front office, who's like calling insurance every day to make, cause the insurance doesn't want to pay for this. So yeah. we got to go back and forth through that. As the same time, we're going back and forth with the build. Last week on a, on Wednesday, we had a completed version. I went out for a test run and made it about half a mile, came back and was like to think in a work. So we had to throw that in the trash, start over again. God. Wow. What, um, from the socket perspective, do they end up having to take some, like a mold of your, of your limb, right? And then they yep. build it off of that. Yeah. So you take that and then a lot of adjustments, you know, up towards the hip and towards the crotch area on the bottom, different bones. And, and like everybody's limbs different, you know? So like what my limb is, yeah, is completely different it's not going to work for person. somebody else. Yeah. So there's just a lot of variables, you know? Um, but last summer he made me a leg in June and it carried me all the way through till about March. And I had the best race of my life at UTMB in, uh, in New Zealand where I was passing people on uphills, dude. Like that never happened to me before. Um, it was so awesome that I was like crying and laughing at the same time in this race. I was like, holy shit. I can't <laughs> believe that I'm having to like 
passed people. I'm like the first couple of times I'd never passed anybody in a race in my life. And I was like, Oh, excuse me. Or like, Hey, I'm really sorry. I got to do this. And, and, and then I realized I was like, dude, I can't spend all day apologizing to everybody. I'm just gonna. Yep. This is just part on of your it. left. On your left. Well, it's on your right in New Zealand. Or on your right. <laughs> so, um, and I did most of my passing on the uphills because people were like, like blowing up, and I was like feeling really strong on the uphills. And I was like, wow, this is insane. I cannot believe. I was having a blast too, you know, I was yeah. just like, like, it was like a perfect distance. I really like 21 Ks because I can hit it really hard and run really fast. Uh, and I have a lot of speed, you know, like I feel like for an AK runner on a trail, I'm pretty, I'm pretty quick actually, as opposed to like a 50 K or 60 K or something like a 50 mile. It, you don't, you can't really do the speed stuff, at least with me. And I like to run fast through the mountains. Yeah. Do I'm kind of curious on, on the, actual blade aspect of it do they as whether it's a a road like a road shoe versus a trail shoe are they trying to match up kind of what the like the feel of the bottom of the blade is to your running shoe or no because i well the prosthetics companies aren't but on my sponsor is we've made some really cool stuff in the on labs in zurich um i've been there twice now i got another trip to Zurich in July and we've made some really huge progress with the amount of different treads that I have. I have this tread version that's an aggressive with four millimeter lugs at different angles that when I put that on, it changed my uphill running in an instant. Like my coach was like, dude, your efficiency just changed overnight. Like this is incredible. So we're like building off of that. Um, I have different versions for recovery because recovery is big. Um, so we're, we're pushing the envelope there, you know, and obviously, uh, there could be some like legal things on how they can produce this into the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now I'm the only one that has it. Uh, I have dreams that maybe on does something and puts a little bit of pressure in the industry and maybe Nike has something different. Maybe Adidas, yeah. maybe multiple companies come out with different options instead of a lot of us athletes that are para athletes have our own stuff that we're like figuring out, you know, some people use tire tread, other people use different kinds of rubber. So we're always having to like figure it out in like the back shop or whatever, but it'd be really cool to have something that's mainstream accessible to a lot of people for, you know, under a hundred bucks. Yeah. I mean, it's gotta be the one of the most difficult things as far as trying to factor that in as a, as a runner that's adapted. Like, like you said, like using tire treads versus, you know, something else. It's, I I can't even imagine, but so let's circle back to the the born to run. And that's kind of where you got the trail running bug, I guess, so to speak. Yeah. That's where I got the, the, the confidence. That's where I got, I mean, if it's just like, if you look at it from like a bird's eye view, it was like the perfect place around the perfect people, uh, around Lewis Escobar. It was almost like the universe just like popped me right where I needed to be. You know, um, I'd met Lewis previously to that event. I, I, I met him at one of his other events. I was with a friend on a road trip and we just like stopped in at the end of one of his events. It was in, um, called the Cuesta trail race. And I remember going there. I didn't have a running leg yet. I had this like really crappy leg and I went there and was like, what are these people doing? And Lewis introduced himself to me as this like race director wearing a cowboy hat, people running like 50 miles on this ranch. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. And then a couple months later, I get a new leg, a new blade. I'm running 
a um, couple miles here and there. I did my first 5K, which took me 55 minutes or something crazy, which again, there's nothing wrong with running a slow 5K. You got to start somewhere, you know? Yeah, 100%. And, and so that was where I started. And then a couple of weeks after that is when I got wind of this event called Born to Run. And I had just started um, this nonprofit, <clears throat> which I have now. Um, I had this coffee. And my idea was to go to Born to Run with the coffee, make coffee for all the runners. And these people like movement. My nonprofit was about movement for disabled people. And it was a great place to start talking about the nonprofit. So I went there day before the event. My friend's like, hey, sign up for this 10-mile trail race. And I'm like, oh, my God. I don't know. I've never seen a person with a blade on trail. Can I even do this? And it was like, oh, who cares if you can't? Or, who, you know, let's just try it. So I did, yeah. finished, and was like, holy shit, you know, blown away that I could even do it. Um, you know, and then a month later, I was at Yosemite trying to trail race there it just opened up the door for a lot of stuff and i kept in contact with lewis ended up at one of his races again signed up for a even longer race and an even tougher course he's like after that event he was like dude i've never seen anything like this in my life and he's like i really want you on my podcast so i went on his podcast talked a little bit about like we're talking now but then i was like hey man why aren't there adaptive athletes and para-athletes in trail running? He's like, I don't know why. Like, that's a good question. And he's like, well, why don't we do it? Why don't we host this race? And so that's what started Born to Adapt. Him and I just having a conversation like this. So explain the Born to Adapt. Because, I mean, again, I, I watched, I read read some articles and I, I watched the video that was put together. And it, you ended up with... 2022 was the first year you did it. You ended up with six athletes, I think, right? Seven. Seven athletes, seven, sorry. Yeah. Seven athletes. <laughs> and I mean, again, anybody, anybody's listening to this, please go and take a look at the link that I put in the show notes because it it is inspiring. And it's like, I was brought to tears Im- immediately as you're watching yeah. this thing. And it, it was amazing. It's not just physical adaptive athletes it's also like there's some like mental and some internal stuff going on with the with some of the athletes you know and it's it's quite interesting to see how something like this kind of brought those athletes out um with everything and and so could you kind of explain like because that had and like as a as now a race director right to this aspect of it and putting this thing together because i as a race director myself I like that's one of my big things is being able to see the event go from a, a bare parking lot to, you know, the, the setup and you get a few hundred people that are running your race and, and how really cool it is to see that, but to tack that aspect onto it as well. And to see in the video, like how the trail running community with, with the regular born to run, cause the born to adapt starts while the other runners are on course. Correct. Yep. And so that puts the adaptive athletes and the regular athletes out on course together. So to see the trail runners like interact and want to help out where they, where they did was, it had to have been just a really cool feeling to see it in person and just experience it. Yeah, it was, I mean, it's a magical experience. It unfolded in a way that I even couldn't, you know, imagine it happen. And like, it's really hard for me to even talk about 22 because 23 just happened. And yeah, even more cool stuff happened. So, you know, Sean, who was in the wheelchair. Yeah, yeah. So Sean, this year, walked his first mile in his walker this year. And his parents oh my God. 
had never seen him act like that. Like they were like, wow, we didn't even know Sean had this in him where he was just like on his walker and he just did the thing, man. It was like wild to see. And that was just one of the wild things. You know, we had another runner there uh, named um, Ryan Turner, who's got cerebral palsy, CP. He did his first 10 mile trail run and he effing crushed it. Uh, he was there last year and did the the um, uh, three hour loop. So I should start by saying we did the same thing this year as a three hour loop. But we also added a born to adapt 10 mile and a born to adapt 30 mile. And we had two athletes sign up for the 10 mile. that did the three hour last year. So they stepped up. And then we had a person to come from Canada who was missing her leg below the knee, uh, do the uh, 30 mile. So these people are coming here to, to do like hardcore stuff. And Ryan, I mean, I'm, ta- I'm trying to talk Ryan's mom into getting him a coach and bringing him to like a UTMB event. He is good. And like to see him like evolve in a year, like this is exactly what I envision is like you get people coming to an event like this, like I did, you know, where I did this 10 mile thing. And next thing you know, I'm running on a pro trail team in France, you know, like how else do you get there? And you have to start out in like a grassroots setting and to know that these options are available to you. Yeah. And it's just not really broadcast to the disabled world, you know? So it's really cool to see my dream and vision unfold right in front of my eyes. And I just hope that we can continue to scale this thing um, in more places than just the ranch, you know? I mean, it is challenging. I will say we had some challenges this year. Um, we actually had to turn some people away because we reached capacity with the whole event. Um, we had some people trying to come in unintentionally as an adaptive athlete, you know, like, like I got to draw the line somewhere. Like what is a disability? Like, I don't want to be the disability police, but also I don't want somebody coming in and taking away a resource from Sean, you know, when there's a place for them somewhere else, you know? So I got to figure out uh, who we can take into these events. And I think what I'm going to end up doing is just copying and pasting what the um, Paralympics do. So they have their, their, their race, stuff like what qualifies somebody to be a para-athlete mm-hmm. i'm just going to copy and paste that into our thing and that may end up turning people away but i i can't do it for everyone i, I definitely want to guarantee you know things for people like that are in wheelchairs and visually impaired and like missing arms and stuff like that some neurological stuff but there's some things that just don't qualify you know these are just kind of learning lessons that you you have to kind of make a mistake and and learn from it and that happened this year so luckily the Paralympics already exists, already has policies. The policies probably aren't perfect, but at least it's a starting point that we can implement uh, for future events to make sure that we have uh, the right athletes in, in, in the event. What? So what is your uh, cutoff as far as the amount of adaptive athletes that you can go well, with? Yeah, me and Lewis are, are um, figuring that out. You know, like we don't want it to be huge on the ranch. Yeah. Um, because the intimacy of it is really great. I think maybe 25 next year would, would be like a perfect number. But also like I'm throwing ideas out. And I hate to put these people on the spot because they don't even know yet. But I'm, <laughs> I'm good friends with um, Skip Brand at Healdsburg um, Running Company, who does the Lake Sonoma 50 um, with uh, Gina Lou Crezzi, who runs Trail Sisters. She's the race director for that mm-hmm. um, event. Um, and this year I went, I was supposed to run in it, but my leg wasn't working out. So I just came and, um, so I actually supported two of my friends, but I looked at the event and was like, in my mind, I was like, man, this would be a really cool place to do a born to adapt. You know, we could do like a, like an expo on the Friday before the event, uh, when everybody else is there doing their expo, maybe we could do a 10 K maybe we could do a three hour loop with some wheelchair stuff. And then 
on Saturday, we could have a couple athletes that are hardcore, go do the 50 mile and go do the, the, um, uh, 26.2 and then start to grow that event. So I emailed them. They're my friends. I'm sure we're going to have this conversation eventually. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's the kind of pitch that I can see myself bringing to race directors, you know, and, and I, and I'll be the one I'll take care of all, all the stuff, you know, whatever it's going to cost for the insurance and the porta potties, the ADA stuff, like maybe that's where my nonprofit can come in and make sure that it's like an accessible event, you know, um, and implement these regulations and kind of co-race direct this with something that already exists. You know, we Mm -hmm. don't need like a standalone deal. It needs to be integrated. Right. um, Which I think is very important piece of the thing. You know, we don't need to change the course, keep it rugged, keep it relentless like it is Mm -hmm. and let the athletes figure it out, but have like a 10 K entry to give them a taste of it. You know, or like a like a loop for a wheelchair and give them, you know, a taste of it and then let them decide what they want to do and how far they want to take it. Yeah, no, that's that's really cool. And it's I mean, I would love to see more inclusion. I mean, that's that's all part of what, you know, what, what trail running has been looking at, you know, from from the industry itself is like, where can we evolve a little bit more? Like, how can we, you know, get more adaptive athletes? How can we, how, how are we looking at the, you know, binary versus non-binary gender totally. situation? Like, like, so those are things that, that I see as a, as a race organizer myself where conversations are being had and how everybody can adjust and, and move forward in this, in this new world, as far as getting more people included. So, you know, it's I awesome. some advice for race directors. Yeah. Don't be afraid to make a mistake. I feel like a lot of times people don't want to do anything different because they don't want to make that mistake. So then that kind of blocks them from doing a positive change, you know, and I think not being afraid to make a mistake, but then learn from the mistake and do it better next time. I mean, I, as a disabled dude, you know, made a mistake my first year of born to adapt where I didn't have ADA porta potty and it's like no brainer, but I missed it. And Sean Wall's mom after the event was like, Hey man, great event. But, uh, we didn't have a restroom for Sean. That was kind of messed up. And I'm like, shit, you know, like, I'm really sorry about that. And added that to the list. And then me and Lewis had our re- like our recap call and we changed that this year. And, you know, I think just not being afraid to, to, to like do something and to make a mistake is okay. Like yeah. you're not being malicious. You're not like, it's just part of it. Make a mistake and learn from it. Can you, um, kind of break down your, your nonprofit, it's Mendocino movement project. Can you break that down a little bit and how that, um, how that mission is kind of helping with the inclusion to, you know, for, for runners and other adaptive athletes? Yeah. So Mendocino movement project was a nonprofit that I started in 2018. I went through a lot of like life changes and really realized that I wanted to help people that were, you know, um, amputees at the time. And my initial project was to provide prosthetics in India because I'd spent some time in India and saw a bunch of disabled people there that didn't have anybody having their back. Um, COVID happened and I didn't know when I was going to get back to India. So we kind of pivoted and um, that was around the time that trail running was happening for me. And I saw the need for getting the uh, disabled um, community out into the outdoors. Um, And at the time, the uh, trail running community was right in front of me. um, And that's where I decided to create the event uh, Born to Adapt and really focus on making the impact right there in the disabled community access to the outdoors through uh, trail running. 
And that's really what I've been laser focused on since about 2021. And, you know, we've done two events so far. And I'd say production wise, we like quadrupled what the production was from the first year to, to uh, this year. You know, I was just in Ghana uh, with our nonprofit uh, doing work to integrate the disabled community there into track and field there. Um, so we're getting all over the world, you know, um, I, I envision uh, a place where our nonprofit is able to host mobility clinics and races in any country we want, whether it's New Zealand or Ghana or the U.S. It needs help. Again, I, I think it's such a cool thing that you're doing uh, for the sport. And I definitely know that the, you know, the, added inclusion needs to happen, you know, with it. I mean, especially being here in, in the area I'm in, I'm in San Diego and having the challenge athletes foundation, like right down the street, yeah. you know, that's, that's, a, there's a huge part of that here in, in Southern California. And, totally. uh, you know, it's, it's a very important thing. And I see, I mean, it, we all know that trail running like is the most inviting sports community you could probably ask for as far as seeing people, you know, come into it and, and everything else. I think it's, it's really cool what you're doing and, and I totally respect you. And, and I, I hope the best for, Thanks, man. for your, your nonprofit and born to adapt and, and your own trail running career. I mean, it's, it's amazing to see individuals like this um, doing such good things in the sport for sure. Thanks dude. And I, I will say I'm having a lot of fun. I think that's important is I really enjoy what I'm, what I'm, um, what I'm doing, you know, whether it's me training for a UTMB or I'm race director for born to death. Um, it's like a dream. Yeah. I'll put the, I want to put the video link, like I said, in the show notes so people can kind of see what, what that first year of born to adapt was. Um, so they can kind of have that, that feeling for it. I also put a link to, um, to your nonprofit, um, as well. So people can kind of get a little bit more information on that, but, and then also just social media wise. So that way people can connect yeah. with you. And if you, and if anybody has any questions or wants to reach out to you, I'm, you know, please do so. I'm sure you'll be happy to answer any questions, but for sure. I have a know, question for you. How did yeah, we get linked up? How did you come across? I read, actually, I read your article in and Trailrunner magazine. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was, I was going through, I was just reading some articles one day and, and your article came up right on my next feed and I started reading it and I was like, man, this is, fucking really cool. And then I, I started, you know, and from that perspective, I, you know, I started doing the research, looking on Instagram, looking on, you know, on, on websites and stuff. And I'm like, shit, this is somebody I really want to talk to and just learn more from like, it's, it was really cool. Just the, your story and, and the way that you've brought everything together for, for that community, you know? And so that's, that's how cool. I, I found out about you. So thank you to yeah, Trailrunner magazine for that. <laughs> yeah. Super big shout out to them. <laughs> so I, uh, I don't want to keep you anymore. I know you're off doing some stuff in Chicago and getting ready to go do another test. So I'll, I'll let you be, but, uh, I truly appreciate you coming on the show and, and chatting with me though, man. Thank you. Yeah, man. It's my pleasure. This was awesome. The trail life podcast was hosted and produced by me, Jeff Stoner with music provided by the poor dirty astronauts lyrics written by Matt Meyer. You can rate review and subscribe to this episode in the entire trail life podcast on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere you find your favorite podcast episodes. Thank you everyone. And we'll see you on the trails real soon.